Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the land of Israel, there are two large bodies of water that teach us pretty much everything we need to know about the topic of generosity. The first is in the northern part of Israel. The arrow is pointing to that now. It receives water from the hills that surround it from some springs and and also from a small stream that flows into it from the north. That, That stream is the beginnings of the Jordan River. That's up there. Out of it, from the south, flow the Jordan River, a much larger river, and that provides water for a lush valley filled with vegetation for miles and miles. To the south is another body of water. Like the first lake, this one receives water from the Jordan River. Unlike that first lake, however, the Jordan doesn't flow out of this. Nothing does. The first lake the one that receives and also gives, is the Sea of Galilee. And it's teeming with fish and and all kinds of waterfowl. The second lake, which receives but gives nothing, is the Dead Sea. Since it's the lowest spot on earth, everything flows into it but nothing flows out of it. There's nothing that lives in it, no fish or waterfowl. People who choose to float in the Dead Sea are warned that swallowing just an e- even just a tiny amount of its water could prove fatal. And ironically, even though it's already dead, it's, it's still dying in that because of uh, evaporation and and other factors, the water level of the Dead Sea is uh, dropping at an alarming rate. Well, the lesson is clear, isn't it? To receive and then also to give is life. To receive and, and keep everything for oneself is death. That's the lesson that the, the land of the Bible teaches us. And of course, it's also what the Bible itself tells us. We, we read all, thing, all kinds of things about that in our, in our Believe study uh, this past week. I'd like to focus today on, on just one verse out of all of those verses because it's such a remarkable verse. It's part of a section that, that St. Paul wrote in, in which he develops a, the, um, the theory and the practice for generosity. And he wrote that as, as part of a fundraising drive that, that he spearheaded for the Christians in Jerusalem who were suffering the effects of a terrible drought. This verse comes from the second letter to the Corinthians. Corinth was a, a, a city in the very southern part of Greece. To the north of Greece was was an area called Macedonia. 
So this verse is written to the Greeks, but it was written about the Macedonians. And here's what St. Paul says about them. In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now when I read that verse, two questions immediately come to my mind, and this is in your sermon outline. The first question is, how do poverty and joy go together? The second one is pretty similar. How do poverty and generosity go together? I'm going to consider both of those questions this morning. It can seem impossible, can't it, for, for poverty and joy to go together? That's because, if that's true for you, and, and sometimes it is for me, as, uh, that we've bought into what the world around us and within us says. And that is that there's a direct correlation between material comforts and possessions and joy. Those Christians living in Macedonia knew better. They knew that true joy is found in Jesus. You know that too, don't you? Do you? Let's not skip over this too quickly. True joy is found in Jesus. True joy is found in Jesus. Maybe we can remember that the the next time we just have to have something. A bigger this or a better that. Or some more of, of whatever. True joy is found in Jesus. Aren't you glad? Do you see how wonderful that is? We can lose material possessions. They can be lost or or stolen or destroyed. Not Jesus. Nobody can take Jesus away from us. Nothing can rob us of our true joy. And so it's also possible for us as it was for the, the Macedonians that, that when a, a severe test of affliction comes into our lives, we can still have an abundance of joy because our joy is in Jesus and we always have him. That reminds me of, a, of an incident that happened a couple weeks ago when we were in Israel. I've got a little bit of a confession to share with you about that, but, but first let me give you the explanation. This happened in a place called the Garden Tomb in Jerusalem. It's, it's just what the name implies. It's, it's, the setting is a beautiful garden, and in the middle of that, in this rock wall, is carved a tomb. When we entered the tomb, our eyes immediately went to the right, to the burial chamber there. And after some quiet meditation on that, we we turned around to leave, and and as we did so, this sign greeted us. He's not here, for he has risen. 
And then we walked just a few steps to uh, an, an alcove where we celebrated communion together. And that's when we broke the rules. See, during Lent, and this was uh, not even a week after Ash Wednesday, during Lent, it's our practice in the church not to, not to use the word alleluia in a worship service. I think that's a good practice. There's a lot going for it. But that rule didn't apply then. We said and sang alleluia more than once, lots of times, and with great gusto, I might add. And even more, we sang Easter hymns during Lent, lots of them. How could we not? We had been in the empty tomb. We had seen the Easter proclamation of the angels. He's he's not here, for he has risen. And we were filled with joy. True joy is found in Jesus. And that joy needs to find expression. That's nothing new, is it? There's nothing new about this acronym either. You've you've probably seen it, that that the path to, to joy involves putting Jesus first and then others second and yourself last. Generosity flows from those priorities, and this is point number two in the outline. It it explains how poverty and generosity can go together. Because generosity really has very little to do with the amount of the gift It has everything to do with the attitude behind the gift. That's what Jesus teaches us in the gospel reading. And so both that that widow in the gospel lesson and King David in today's Old Testament lesson acted in a very generous manner. King David gave a fantastic amount of money so that his son Solomon could build the temple. The the widow, centuries later in that very temple, gave a very tiny sum of money. The amounts that were offered were vastly different. The attitude was exactly the same. It's the attitude that counts. When Jesus is at the top of our list of priorities, our attitude is that we want to act the way he did and and still does. We want to be like Jesus, and Jesus was always generous. The problem comes when we replace Jesus at the top of that list with ourselves then we start to act in ways that are just the opposite of how Jesus acted and and the opposite of of generosity is greed. Generosity always looks to others as Jesus did and does. And greed always looks to ourselves. So if the opposite of generosity is greed, does that mean that the opposite of greed is generosity? Well, of course. But, I, but I, today I'd like to think about it in a slightly different way and say that the opposite of greed actually is 
contentment. Because it's contentment that prompts generosity. And contentment says, I have enough. Actually, I have more than enough. Because I can afford to give some of it away. That's contentment. The kind of contentment that that each of us desires. The kind of contentment that those Macedonian Christians had. Remember Paul said that they were in the midst of a severe trial themselves. They they were were extremely poor. But evidently they didn't know that. (laughs) Apparently they thought they were rich. Because they kept wanting to give more and more to help those poor people in Jerusalem. In fact, Paul said they gave more than they could afford. And you get the feeling from from what he said. Read 2 Corinthians 8 sometime this week. You get the feeling from, from what he said that they might even have had a little argument about this. Because Paul says that they ended up begging. Only it was a different kind of begging. They were begging Paul to accept money from them instead of give money to them. That's incredible. Also incredible is is another truth that maybe takes a a little bit to, uh, uh, to sink in. We've said that contentment prompts generosity. But it's also true that generosity increases contentment. As we learn to live with a little less instead of always grasping for more. And that way, our generosity increases contentment, which, of course, then turns around, and and that contentment prompts more generosity, and that generosity increases contentment, and, and on and on. That's the way God works. Just like with the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. One receives water and and shares that water. It's alive and flourishing. The other receives water and gives nothing. It's dead and dying. Well, that's the way that God made his creation to work. And one of the things that I especially love about that illustration with the Sea of Galilee and, and the Dead Sea is that it helps us to think not in terms of reward or punishment, but of natural consequences. Well, of course, the, uh, neither of those lakes makes a conscious decision to give or not to give. The Sea of Galilee isn't rewarded for being generous. The, the, the Dead Sea isn't punished for not sharing. What happens in each case happens naturally according to the way God established his creation. And it's the same with us. When we find our joy in Jesus, when we act the way that Jesus did and created us to act, We flourish. 
like the Sea of Galilee. All kinds of, of great things happen, just naturally. Also like, this, like the Sea of Galilee, our sharing, our generosity has a positive impact on others, just like the, the Sea of, of Galilee waters the entire Jordan Valley with the river that flows out of it. In our case, the natural result of, of generosity, as we've already said, is increased contentment. And also increased trust in God as, as we relearn the lesson that our true joy is found in Jesus. And the more we focus on Him, the less we think about ourselves, the greater our joy. And so we focus on Jesus. And that prompts us to act like Jesus and causes us to draw closer to Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.